Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Today is the Feast of the Epiphany, and our Gospel focuses on the visit of the Magi, which is one of the most important themes of, of the Epiphany, and the one that the West focuses on today. The reason that the West chooses this, the, vis the visit of the Magi, among the other themes of the Epiphany, which are the baptism of Jesus and the revelation that Jesus is God, the Theophany, which are the focus of the Eastern Rite, I hope should be relatively obvious to each of us. After all, before the first advent of Christ, it's very unlikely that we would have participated directly in the biblical story of salvation. Why? Because we're not blood descendants of Abraham, nor did our forefathers and foremothers at some point convert to Judaism. We're all Gentiles, all pagans. And even if there is someone out there listening to this who is a Jewish convert to Christianity, there is one thing we all share. That is, none of us was born a Christian. And in fact, that's connected to one of the other themes of epiphany. No one, not even so-called cradle orthodox, are born Christians. It has nothing to do with whether your family is Christian. If you come from a Christian family, you're not Christian because your family is Christian. You might be born Jewish or you might be born heathen, but either way, you aren't Christian when you arrive on this planet from your mother's womb. One can only be reborn a Christian through the regenerative waters of baptism. I believe it was Father Mike Schmitz of the Excellent Bible in a Year podcast, which I'm only about two-thirds of the way through since last year, who brilliantly expressed this as God has no grandchildren. God has no grandchildren, only children. You who have been baptized are his children and Jesus's brothers and sisters. More importantly, you are all, whether male or female, God's firstborn sons. The point being that you are all entitled to the full inheritance of God, male or female, Jew or Gentile, black, white, red, yellow or brown. You are God's firstborn. You're entitled to the full inheritance of God. And that's why I, like I hope you, find today's message so compelling. It means that even though I'm not a son of Abraham by blood, I am a son of Abraham by water and the Holy Spirit. It means that I've been grafted onto the vine of life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the good news of Jesus Christ for us Jew or Gentile. We are now able to be children of God. Today reminds us that before Christ, the Jews were God's chosen people. But today, we and they are his children. Today reminds us that before Christ, we, the Gentiles, the pagans, the unchosen, are now chosen. We are now also his children. We are equals with his chosen. As Stephen discussed this past week, weekend, and we proclaim in the Apostles' Creed and many other times throughout the year, Jesus descended to the dead in Hades and preached his message of life. Today, those in darkness were given the opportunity to also become adopted sons of God. Jesus carried them, he carries us, and he will carry those who come after us into the presence of God. No one is left behind. This is the unimaginable and boundless mercy, love, and grace of our God. And it all starts with baptism, 
which is one of those themes of epiphany. When we, when we go through those waters, we're carried through a mysterious, and by that I take nothing away from the reality of it, a mysterious death by God into a new life, a life characterized and enveloped by Christ, by which we truly put on Christ. We also put on God for Christ, and God is both God, and Christ is both God and man. At Jesus' baptism, we have the third major theme of Epiphany, where Jesus, holy man, is revealed to be holy God. As the dove-like manifestation of the Holy Spirit and the voice of the Father resound from the heavens, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And thereby we too, in our baptism, now hear the words of the Father. This is my Son, my child, you in whom I am well pleased. For we are part of his good creation. By grace we are called to be everything God is, and now all we must do is listen to his Son who we now bear as part of our very living being, so that in our final hour, we will hear, we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make the, you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord, into the bountiful life of God. So I doubt it takes much imagination to understand why we bless water on this most blessed of days in the church year, for it is as much an instrument of our salvation as bread and wine, and is also likewise commanded by our Lord, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even and to the end of the world, amen. Listen to him. But what of our other curious tradition during this season of Epiphany? That of blessing chalk. Well, thumb through the pages of the Bible and diligently search the scriptures, and I'm not aware of where you will find this venerable tradition. Indeed, it appears the history of the tradition may be somewhat lost to the sands of time, or at least it isn't easy to Google, I'll assure you. Yet it appears to have arisen and spread from Central Europe during the Middle Ages. Now, there is little reason to question the blessing of anything. God blesses everything in his creation, and he calls his priests to bless not only water and chalk, but cars, houses, places of work, events, travelers, meetings, people, boats, floods, I mean fields. Well, we probably bless floods too. Food, drinks, throats, ceremonies, cemeteries, ceremonies too, animals, ashes, and more. The blessings we offer are a renewal of God's creation, broken through the sin of Adam and Eve, broken through our sin, and a restoration to their purpose to serve God and an affirmation of God's words that it was very good when he created it all back in Genesis. But what follows, if you like, what we do with that chalk, you're allowed, if you like, to chalk it up to the traditions of men. But I'd say not so fast. For the reason this tradition has stuck around for centuries after it was first done is because it's rich with symbolism and teaching force. The point does not appear to be about the chalk itself, as few instances of chalk appear in the Bible, only in the prophets Isaiah and Ezekiel, where it's almost always merely used as a means of marking something. Instead of what we bless, it's what we do with it that carries the symbolism. Each of you should take home a piece of blessed chalk, carry it home with you, and bless your home. At home, you'll use a special prayer to mark the lintel of your door, the cross beam above the door, in a way that commemorates the three magi, who are traditionally named Caspar, Melchor, and Balthazar, 
His initials happen to coincidentally form the words of the Latin blessing, may Christ bless this home. So here, this venerable tradition ties together so many pious things. We remind ourselves of the Magi who visited Jesus on this day. We recall how the Jewish people during the Passover marked their doors with blood so that the firstborn would survive. We publicly mark our homes as Christians. In fact, in the 20th, in 20th century Poland, the epiphany chalking of doors continued among believers as a way of asserting their Christian identity against state atheism and anti-religious campaigns in their country. It reminds us, as we are the ones doing this blessing, of our calling as a part of the priesthood of all believers. The head of our household is called to be the priest of our homes, to lead us spiritually closer to Christ. And I'm sure as you continue to ponder this practice and take part in it over the next few days, you will find additional meanings in it. But tonight I want to close with one of the most important parts that I see in it. We've been talking recently about the darkness of our world. It's too easy to see the darkness closing in around us. A recent New York Times editorial asked, is the West becoming pagan again? In that article, a December 14th Pew Research poll on religion was highlighted that found that only slightly more Americans describe themselves as Roman Catholics, 21%, than as believers in nothing in particular, 20%. And the poll further showed that this was the first Christmas for which American young adults under the age of 40, I guess I'm not young anymore, Christians were a minority. Yet, my brothers and sisters, there is a hope. Orthodox Christians make up just 1% of Americans in that poll. But we know we are light in the darkness. We are the 1%. We have a boundless wealth given to us by God. And we can't keep it to ourselves. We must share the fullness of this life-giving faith with those around us. We know that a little light brightens an entire world. And the chalk we carry from this church is a little bit of light and blessing we bring to the world. It's a sign that what we do in this place, in God's house, doesn't stay in God's house. It's a sign that although men visited him two millennia ago, that he had been, is, and will always be visiting the hearts of mankind. They brought gifts to him those ages ago, and now the chalk on our door frames will remind us as others walk under those chalk characters to visit our homes to give the gift of Christian love and hospitality. It is an outward sign to others that they will find the gift of unconditional love in our homes. But most importantly, it should be a consistent reminder to you each and every day as you leave your door or enter it that you are clothed with Christ and that as you enter your house, you must carry Jesus Christ within you, with you, to all of those around you, your family, your friends who fellowship with you, and yes, that door-to-door -door solicitor. And also a sign as you leave that you must carry him out of this church and out of your homes into the world to be a source of love, joy, and hope. So as you reflect on this new year with others, you must mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. This is our calling. This is our mission. You are the light. You and the rest of creation are very good. Be fruitful and multiply. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.